I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Sportsbeat After Hours. We're back with another edition. I am your host, Hemahimuli Jr. And joining me as always, the other host of Sportsbeat After Hours, noted oatmeal connoisseur, Zachary Hicken. Uh, You know what's funny? I actually do eat oatmeal almost every day. (laughs) Keeps me regular. So Keeps you Um, away from the diabetes. Uh, It's going to help me so I don't develop pre-diabetes. Pre-diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we talking about oatmeal, Hema? Well, we are mourning the loss of a true Utah treasure, Sir Wilford Brimley. I don't know if he was ever <laughs> officially given the title of Sir, but you know what? He is knighted here on the Sports Beat After Hours podcast. Yes. Wilford Brimley passed away last night, and man, it's tough. It's a bummer. Like between him and Regis Philbin, rough week for Hollywood, dude. <laughs> for sure, and it's like. From for Utah, sure. I like how you said that. <laughs> for, for I mean, from Utah, that's like like one fourth of our celebrities, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's not too many. Um, like, who else are Utah like the natives? Utah celebrities that like people? Okay, like we're not talking transplants. We're talking like straight from Utah. Well, right? is he straight from Utah? Yeah, I think so. I thought he was a transplant. Mm. Maybe we better look this up before we move on. Oh no, he was born in Salt Lake City. I apologize. Excellent. Good. Okay, great. That doesn't totally destroy uh, whatever I was talking about. Um, so tra- uh, natives from Utah, right? We got Wilford yeah. Brimley. We've got, um, well, isn't Brandon Flowers from Utah, but he grew up in Las Vegas? I thought, I thought he grew up in. Uh, he went to Nephi High School. Yeah, I thought he was from like Juab County. Yeah. Let's see. He was born in Henderson, Nevada. Ah, dang. And moved to Payson and then to Nephi when okay. he was in sixth grade. You don't count, Brandon. You're out. You're out of here. Okay, who's, here's who I found. Okay. Chrissy Teigen. Oh. She's from Delta. What? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, Julianne Huff. Okay, I knew that. Both uh, the Huffs. James Woods. James Woods? Yeah. Like Hades from Hercules, James Woods? I believe so. Weird. Uh, Brendan Urie? Okay, I knew that. He's from St. Yeah. George. Uh, Roseanne Barr? I did not know that. 
Uh, Gary Coleman. He's not from here. Like, he just lived here. I think he was born here, dude. What? Uh, Philo Farnsworth. <laughs> that's uh, Sam Farnsworth's dad. Yeah. <laughs> he's famous. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the ones I can find that were, like, yeah. born here that are super well-known. There's not, there's not a Kilio lot, is High. what I'm saying. Was she born here, though? I think so. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, our our very own uh, Jeremiah Jensen isn't even from Utah. That was actually one of the most surprising things yeah. that I ever found out about Jer. <laughs> it kind of like shattered my universe. I was like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's a major face of like Utah sports television and he's not even from. If anyone knows where he's from, just tweet at us. I uh, feel like most people do. They know where he's from? I don't know. Yeah. Is Robert Redford the most famous transplant though? He's got to be the most lauded you know what i'm saying like he's won the most awards or yeah he's been i in mean the i guess post one's probably the most famous right now he's the hottest right now but also Robert redford's a pretty big deal yeah if we go with transplants there's like a buttload of transplants that are famous that live that reside well, here. phil from modern family yep phil dunphy yeah uh, i don't remember his real name apparently he's not that famous i've had a real tough time today though like trying to come up with people's names dude today's been rough it's been rough well, it's let's talk about why we're drained because we're on like day four of this adrenaline rush yeah the nba is back guys Sports. so we got a quick injection mm-hmm. a quick reintroduction three play-in games for the utah jazz but the real thing started thursday night uh you could hear our recap of that game that went against new orleans pelicans uh our last episode but Man, um, it's just been like back-to-back-to-back-to-back nights of like high adrenaline. There's oh, been yeah. some really great games. Um, like even the, uh, the, the Celtics game today against the Trailblazers, um, the yeah. Rockets-Bucks game today. Jeez. We've had a couple games go overtime. Like there's been some super tight games. Yeah. What wasn't a tight game <laughs> was the Jazz game against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder yesterday afternoon. Man, it was bad. Like, it was bad. It was probably, oddly enough, I think the two, well, actually the three worst games I've seen the Jazz play this year, just from like. This season I'm or this year? Asleep. This season, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're okay. all against the Thunder. Oh, my goodness. Um, So their opening night game, which happened to be a win, was against the Thunder. And the, like, that was like, Mike Conley was like 0 for 14 yeah. from the field like he only scored like two points they were both from the free throw line um that's right yeah and then they had that dreadful game i want to say it was like back in february it was a home game and they just played poorly and then obviously the whole march thing right. <laughs> that happened where the season got postponed and then the w- saturday's game which was just i mean it was brutal i'm pulling up the stats right now so i can just give you guys a picture of like how bad it was um so they lost 110 to 94. I mean, it's a 16 point loss, but it really should have been. They were like, down 20 the entire game. Like, yeah, basically. I mean, I mean obviously they, not the. They were down by 20 plus until that fourth quarter. They basically put in the subs. Yeah. And Utah's subs scored more than Oklahoma City's scrubs. So, right. subs, scrubs, whatever, same thing. Um, no one scored more than 13 points. Donovan Mitchell was 5 for 15 shooting. He was 0 for 4 from beyond the arc. Um, the best shooter in the game Wait, was... Wait, let me, let me guess. It was not Joe. Not Joe. Not Jordan Clarkson. 
was not. He was four for 17. It was, oh man, it wasn't George Niang. No, it was Royce O'Neal. He was two for four from beyond the arc. (laughs) So he just Um, shot less. Yeah. In fact, only two players made multiple field, multiple three point field goals. Royce and uh, Jordan Clarkson. Okay. The team was eight for 31 from three. That's 25.8%. 34 for 87. That's 39% on just general field goals. It was bad, guys. Did, so let ask, okay, answer me this, Zach. Did you see this coming? Like, not so much the atrocious shooting from the Jazz, but just underproduction of shooting by the Jazz. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously losing out on Bojan Bogdanovic, who's, I think, technically the second best three-point shooter in the NBA, yeah. it's a big loss. Mm-hmm. And I know that they were talking about how the Jazz would adapt and uh, try to spread the floor, go a little bit more up-tempo, but if shots aren't falling, like that doesn't right. change anything, you know? Right. It doesn't um, matter. They're having to change the way that they're playing. Um, Mike Conley is going from even less of a role as a one-guard. Yeah. Um, well, he's taking his role as a one guard and he's playing it even less than he is mm-hmm. before. Um, Donovan's handing most of the uh, ball handling. Joe's on the floor more with Donovan rather than like leading the second unit. Yeah. And so he's getting lost opportunities to be with the primary ball handler. And so it's just leading to like not a lot of like great cohesion, I feel like. And I feel like there's like a lot of times that they just kind of look lost out on the floor yeah it's the it's just obviously you're you're getting back into the groove of things right so you're gonna miss um you're gonna mess up the pick and roll uh people are gonna lob it like the lobs are gonna be off and Mm -hmm. rudy won't be able to get to them or whatever it's we've seen those things but what's concerning like you said is the jazz knew that they were gonna suck at shooting with that boy on so they tried to spread the floor they got open looks. See, that's the thing that makes me feel better about the performance is they had the offense was working, just no one was making shots. No, no, that that that's for sure. Is they had plenty of good looks, and even when I went through the game, because um, usually when I'm like watching the game, I admit like I watch as a fan, so I usually don't like really like get technical with yeah. things until I go back and rewatch it. And I was surprised at the number of open looks that they had, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just like a thing of like. Okay, they just came from down from like the emotional high of like playing their first game. It was a hotly contested game against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Maybe they lost their legs a little bit. That conditioning's just not there, you know. Yeah. Like even no matter how hard you train, like it's not going to prepare you for like the real thing. Yeah. So maybe there's some soreness, some tightness. Um maybe like everyone's going to be kind of like on an equal playing field once. Mm-hmm. Um you know, everyone's gotten a game or two under their belt. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they play better. They played the Lakers later tonight, if you guys are listening to this on Monday. Yeah. Uh, So, I know. It's a good test for them. So, this is the thing, okay? Let's look at the NBA right now as a whole. Um, The Jazz are one and what? Like, they've played two real games, right? So, they're one and one in the real games, which is concerning. You know, if this was a regular season of basketball, you're like, okay, we were 50% for the last two games. But you look at this. The Mavs are 0-2. The the Lakers dropped a game. Um, they got absolutely smacked um, by, was it Toronto? I think it was, yeah. Yeah. It's So you look at that, 
in the West and you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe everyone's just equally bad right now. And well, there's just a lot of weird things going on with lineups. So right, like the Clippers and Lakers played on Thursday night right after the Jazz. That was a great game. Mm-hmm. It was another two point game. But the Clippers are down. Pat Bev, Lou Will, yeah. Montrez Harrell. Um, you know they're not fully back at their fully light, loaded lineup, and it, not that the Lakers are like they're out Avery Bradley for this whole NBA bubble NBA restart yeah. um, because he decided to opt out. So he could spend time with his son. Um, you look at the Nuggets. I think they only had like three of their regular starters available. Um, like they were down <laughs> pretty. Um, yeah, like they started like Michael Porter Jr., uh, Monte Morris, um, Torrey Craig. I guess he plays quite a bit normally, but like their lineup is just all sorts of messed up. Like their whole team, I don't even know is if they're even out of quarantine yet because they had Mm. the breakout like right Mm -hmm. before. And yeah, it's just kind of, there's a lot of weird lineups going on right now. Um, And so I think everyone's kind of adjusting a little bit. Yeah. Even the Rockets, like Eric Gordon's out and we don't know how long he's going to be out, but they end up beating the Bucks tonight who I thought the Bucks looked really good. They did. I mean, um, obviously they've got, their stars on the team still and they're still um you know Giannis is an MVP form right now right but uh yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird time in fact this these this past these past couple days i guess that's when the jazz played last right was it yesterday i don't even know what day they it played is they saturday okay um the standings have gotten shaken up quite a bit um do you have that open on? Right yeah, yeah, now? yeah. Let me pull that up right now. So, I was just gonna. I was just looking at some of the box oh, scores. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, even Luca, he drops like a forty burger, and they right. still lose to the Suns. That's oh, dude. I didn't even. That's that was the most surprising. Right. Uh, loss. Like, to date. what the heck is going on with that whole with this whole thing, guys? Yeah, it's we don't so even weird. Know. It's so weird. So okay, so right now the, the standings. standings in third place, the Denver Nuggets, they're seven and a half games back of the Lakers. One game back of the Nuggets are the Rockets, tied with the Jazz, and then the Jazz are a half game, well, the Jazz and Rockets are a half game ahead of the Thunder, um, and the Mavericks are three games back of that. So basically yep. between three and six, it's just a complete mess. Yeah. We're all basically even. And Jeremiah said something interesting, like, while we were just hanging out he's like it's not even worth it for the jazz to win these next couple games no get down to the sixth seed yep and find a way to play the nuggets now i don't know that the nuggets are gonna win out necessarily right i feel like oklahoma city might have the best opportunity for that to make a good run here in the nba bubble but we talked about it last year on this podcast where I suggested the Jazz should lose their last three games of the season so yeah. they could avoid the Rockets. And guess what? <laughs> I had a whole bunch of people telling me, the Jazz shouldn't be afraid of anyone. Right. The Jazz should just win. The Jazz, it's not it's not ethical to do that. Well, guess it's what happened? Yeah. Y'all almost got swept in the playoffs <laughs> last year, and it wasn't fun. How much did you enjoy the playoffs right. last year? And zero. Zero. It was not fun. And so, no fun, sir. Yeah. It's like holes. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like people... like. 
that's the game within the game. You want right. to you want to hit a seed that'll give you the best chance to get to the play. Yeah. Especially right now when you don't have a home court advantage. Now I can right. understand like, you know, if the Jazz were on, um, if it's like the four or five, and there's like a game separating them, right? And if they win out, then they get home court advantage, and Houston has to open up the series, the At, first two in games Lake. in in Salt Lake. I understand right. that, right? But exactly. Right here, where everyone's on a on a level playing field, and like. You have no idea like what's really going to happen. Then just go ahead and find a way to just just make it. Yeah, just survive in Get advance. The best matchup that you can. Because, yeah, I mean, right now, like I would potentially want to be on the Clippers side of the bracket just because, like, with Absolutely. everyone that they have in quarantine and it's missing, um, like you don't know when they're going to be completely back at full strength. Right. Like the Clippers are going to get more dangerous as the playoffs go on. True. They're a team that I would want in the first round, I wouldn't want them in the second or third round. Right. Um, like, the further they get, yeah, they're just going to be scarier. And they're a real contender once they get everyone back, their feet under them, they're used to playing together again. Right. Um, but, Zach, we shouldn't be afraid of anybody. Right. We Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be afraid of playing anybody. But, like, there are teams that are worse matchups for the Jazz than others. Heck, at this point right now, I'm scared of playing the Kings. <laughs> It's the Suns. Yeah. The Suns have worked <laughs> I mean, on the Jazz the last yeah, year they that's played. The, that's what I'm, I mean, the Suns aren't going to go to the playoffs, but that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, dude, it's you just find the easiest way to get that dub, and the Jazz have to do that, and if they have to drop a couple of games to do so, ugh, I really don't care. Get some experience for the uh, G League guys. Yeah. Gerald yeah. Brantley is a baller. I, I would love to see him with the ball more often. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but anyways, it's good to have sports back and it's good to have these things to complain about, about like, you know, the jazz just sucking against OKC, but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it over, you know, I don't know, boring stuff, I guess. And Hey, there's ain't no shame in losing against Steven Adams. Yeah. I, I, we all stand. Steven Adams yes, here sir. on the Sports Beat After Hours podcast. Um but you know what? Uh I you know, I just I'm kind of have a demand for more NBA games, more NBA action. Mm-hmm. Luckily we still got six more jazz games to go. We're not optimistic, but you know what? Who knows what could unfold? You know what? Maybe Mike Conley unlocks something down in Orlando. <laughs> Maybe Donovan yeah. reaches the next level and he starts averaging like thirty points a game. Right. Who knows what's gonna happen? But um at least at this point, we know that there's going to be more basketball. Yeah. Now, as for college football, Ooh. some news came out this weekend that makes it so uh, that foundation's a little bit shaky. Uh, we're going to be talking next. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why that is. Uh, the Pac-12 United um, released their list of demands for what they want to see in change for student-athletes in the Pac-12. Uh, we demand that you stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Three, two, one. All right, so more news in the world of college football, and it seems like at this point, like the the saying that no news is good news, yeah, is very true when it comes to college football <laughs> because all the news that's coming out about college football nowadays is right. just bad, 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 bad. The NCAA is getting destroyed. Oh in yeah, these past couple of years, and I'm not gonna lie, you love to see it, yeah, <laughs> but. It's this what what happened uh, just today or a day ago, I guess now since yeah. it's early morning. Um, it's just another chapter in the NCAA's woes. You know, the Pac-12. Uh, certain uh, players from the Pac-12 have banded together with a list of demands that they demand of the NCAA, or they're not going to play. Well, it's with the Pac-12 conference first, right? But. It all stems down from the NCAA. Right, right. I think that the Pac-12. You know, I. So, let me preface this with saying, I used to be anti-pay players. Mm-hmm. I used to say, you know what, you guys are getting a free education, you get free food, you get free room and board, mm-hmm. you get tutors, you get to travel all over the world or all over the country, mm-hmm. you go to sweet bowl games, but. That was before I covered sports <laughs> professionally. Now I see that the value that these guys bring. Right. The profit that the university makes off of them and the conference. They and the conference and the NCAA as a whole, the T V networks, us, like yeah. we benefit from true. them. Like I'm it it's facts. Mm-hmm. Facts dog. <laughs> um but uh, seriously, um, I changed my position on this. I used to just be like, you know, like, why are they asking for that? They don't need this. Like, why are they being selfish? Like, why can't they be good with an education? Yeah. Look, I have a, I, to break this down simply, um, number one, these guys are worth a lot of money and not all of them are going to go on to go and make money at the next level. No. You think about guys that did great things at the college level. Tyler Huntley, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's probably not, I mean, there's a chance he gets an opportunity to play in the NFL, but he's not going to be a quarterback. He's not going to be a starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens mm-hmm. um, anytime soon. So why wouldn't he be able to profit off of that while he's at Utah mm-hmm. and benefit from it? Um, or even like Tanner Mangum, you know, he was the guy yeah. who was the face of BYU's program for a long time. Now he's no longer playing football. Why wouldn't he be able to profit off of what he did during his time at BYU? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many players um, that you look at it like just over the years that, you know, for one reason or another, like things didn't work out for them to go play at the next level. Mm-hmm. But they're very serviceable, recognized uh, college collegiate football players that, you know, they're all over billboards. They're all over yeah. posters. They're all in commercials, you know, like all this stuff. Um, to advertise the product, why aren't they seeing anything of that? You know, you know, like this makes me think of one of our favorite players last year, and even before that, 
from Utah State. Oh, Gerald Bright. Gerald yeah, Bright. for sure. Like, he's His not doing anything. Yeah. Like, he's not going to be playing football. Or even, like, man, you go through the list. Like, T. John Caroma, you know, like, yeah. he played in the in the uh, XFL for a little bit. But, like, mm-hmm. he was a star at BYU. He was an All-American. Like, that same earnings potential isn't there post-career right. as it was. And so, like... Even if it's just like a couple thousand dollars, at least it's something. At least they're seeing that they have value to the university that they feel like Mm -hmm. they're not being taken advantage of. And this is just all based on, you know, if they weren't bringing in a ton of money, then I can understand just being saying, hey, you should just be satisfied with the tuition, the room and board, you know, having all that paid for. But like the other issue I have, and this is a very deep seated conversation, right? I kind of of the opinion that like in not all cases are college degrees that valuable. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Like how valuable is it for someone to go and get a degree in communication studies? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's that going to get you? And that's what unfortunately most of these athletes end up being forced to get because there's a huge demand for them because they're on the road, they have practice all the time, and mm-hmm. then when they aren't practicing, they're training, and then when they aren't training, they're doing they're studying film, and when they aren't studying film, they're looking at the playbook to make sure that they have everything down. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing their own work and their weight training, and they're doing all this stuff, and it's a year-round process. It's right. not like there's time off. And people, you know, like that's more than a full-time job. You know, that's oh, a 60, 60 to 70-hour-a-week job. And when it comes down to it, you have to keep them eligible. Right. So you're going to get an academic advisor that's going to say, okay, What's the best thing? That, what's the best degree that can handle my workload? And mm-hmm. unless they are a super freak like Taysom Hill, right? You know, they're not going to get a degree in finance or business or engineering or chemistry or a pre med degree or right. pre law or anything like that. You know, they're going to get an English degree. They're going to get a psychology degree, or they're going to get a yeah. communications degree. And this is coming from a guy with a communications degree, yeah. okay? Yo, and no way are we knocking any of these degrees. No, I like, mean, it, yeah. it's a great accomplishment to graduate from college. Absolutely. But not all col- college degrees are created equally. No. You know, I can't go and take my comms degree and go and get a job at an engineering firm right. making a salary that an engineer would make. Yeah. You know, I have a very good friend from my childhood growing up who who got an internship at NASA when we were in college. Jeez. We were both going to the same university. We were both going to BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, we were the same age, you know, grew up in the same same neighborhood. Right. But his education was very different than mine. Yeah. He couldn't come in and edit video and do stuff like that, you know. But I also couldn't go and help design rocket fuel (laughs) to send astronauts into outer space, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, yeah. I mean, I I know what you're saying. It's like, much like playing D1 college football is no guarantee that you're going to go to the NFL, going to college and getting a degree doesn't guarantee that you're going to have this outcome of wealth and prosperity like it's not guaranteed it improves your chances but it's yeah like you said it's not guaranteed and when you go and look at the roster for all of these athletes go and look at their at their majors Mm -hmm. i promise you the majority of them are undeclared or they're getting a psychology degree or some sort of communications degree Mm -hmm. and it just like i said it doesn't always work out it's a 
they're getting very generic degrees that they can go in and take a lot of classes online mm-hmm. um, that they don't always have to be in class for that there's not as much of a demand. Right. But they're doing these things because they, they're trying to balance what is essentially a full-time job in overtime every week in football. Mm-hmm. That's the time that they have to dedicate. And so our argument is, like, why can't they make a little bit of money to help them get through um, college, but also to take advantage of that opportunity that they have for those four years of eligibility yeah. where they can kind of cash in on their image of them playing every Saturday. Right. Yeah. I get it. And so the other the other thing too with that is is okay, well, they signed an agreement. Well, that can be nullified, that can be changed. We sure. can adapt. Like if I when I was a student, I had a job on campus and I was paid for yeah. what I did. Right. And, you know, I also had an opportunity to be awarded a scholarship through my job. Mm-hmm. And that was based on performance. And so it could just be the exact same thing for them, you know. And it's right. going to teach, like, yeah, it, it's going to show them the value. Like, how many guys are really going to go out and want to grind? You know, like, there's not there's not as much motivation, I feel like, for a scholarship like once you're on campus, like, I mean, there's pride, there's ego, like you want to be able to contribute, but like if there's some way that like, you know, a starter earns a little bit more, then you're going to want to work a little bit harder yeah. so you can get that starting money, sure. you know, that starting player money. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a incentive. Yeah. That's adding, letting college players make a semblance of a living while they're playing collegiate sports. Yes incentivizes them to do more yes now you may say wait i'm so concerned about this what will this do to the disparity between p5s and non-p5s there is that argument who's asking these questions it's byu fans (laughs) byu fans (laughs) i can tell you from conversations that i've had that donors would be ready to pony up and pay the money right you know like they're gonna help benefit these athletes yes and it's nationwide. Every school has these. Yes. And it's not it's not going to be a discrimination of opportunity. It's right. For for bigger schools versus think, the smaller schools. I think no. BYU could step up to the plate when this happens. Yes. They're not in the position of a school that's in a in a group of 5 conference where they wouldn't be able to afford to do this. Right. There's a lot of money in Utah County. There's a lot of money that supports BYU football. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of money that would be willing to go towards something like this. And so I think that is a, be- a beneficial thing. So let's go over the list of demands other than the money. What else are they asking for? Okay, they're asking for um, a revenue split. Okay, that's not going to happen. A 50% revenue split is no not going to happen. Now, you can ask for a couple things. I do think Larry Scott's overpaid. Ugh. Ask for a reduction in salary. Like, right. I, I feel like he is extremely overpaid for how poorly he's doing. Yes. If he were to take a reduction in salary, and even if it was like a 20% reduction in salary permanently, he makes $5.6 million a year, I think is what I saw online. Jeez. He's still making $4 million a year. That $1 million could go a long way to um, non-revenue sports. Oh, for yeah. a lot of these universities, you know, split 12 ways. For sure. That's almost 100000 even if that's contributing to meal plans, scholarships. Like, that's more money 
that these people can do. And that's just with Larry Scott's salary. There mm-hmm. are other top executives in the Pac-12 that could take even less drastic of a pay cut, 10 15%, right. um, and help them out. I think that's realistic. I think that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, it, even if, even if okay, like I've heard some rumblings of people saying that like, you know, they – Right. Football makes all the money for the school sports. Right. That's I think everyone can agree that that's the thing. Yes. Well, instead of divvying up money to like sports that don't make as much money, you just inject it into the athletics program who can invest that money in, you know, better meal services, better Mm -hmm. housing, because all the athletes stay in the same housing. Right. And that. That is a way you can spread the wealth among the athletic programs and not have to feel like, oh, you know, lacrosse is a leech on the program. No, right. You just put it into the athletics general program and everyone benefits from right. it. Right. Improve their student, um, the athletic facilities, like as yeah. a whole. Like, because mm-hmm. a lot of these guys use the same training rooms. Yep. Um, they use the same, uh, like cafeterias, stuff like that. Same lock. Well, I guess they get different locker rooms, but improve on that stuff. Like, yeah. make it. Trainers. Um, yeah. A lot of trainer groups do multiple sports. Right. And. Like, you know, well, and it can help you so you can pay those coaches better, too, for those non-revenue sports so you can get better coaches who can recruit better talent. You get better results. Um, So, again, I think that's a net positive. Uh, Six year um, guaranteed scholarship. Again, I think that's a net positive. You obviously just heard how I feel about how I feel that a lot of student athletes are at a disadvantage just because of um, the problems that some bachelor's degrees have. Mm -hmm. If you get a master's degree, you know, it actually, even if it's in the same field, it could potentially help you get a better position for sure at another company. That'd be great. And you know what? Like, so my uncle did this. There's mm-hmm. this thing that athletes can that do. They kind of trick the system with the four year degrees or right. four year. Sorry. Four year scholarships. Right. What um, my uncle, who I'm named after, my uncle Hema, what he did, it's so smart. Um, he went to school. You know, all four years, but then during the summers, he would take classes that would count toward his master's. And then eventually, like when he was a fifth year senior, he was able to finish his entire master's with the school paid for. And it's uh, really smart and it's a smart way to trick the system. But I don't think he also killed himself academically because he had so much. He was just constantly studying. Completely loaded plate. Yeah. And it's and that is like almost like unreasonable to expect from your athletes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think. Yeah. Um, And then they were asking for a six-year post-playing insurance policy. Again, you don't know what the long-term effects of um, playing in a violent sport. And this is just mainly with, like, football, maybe basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't know what the long-term effects are going to be. Like, what if you get a a surgery from the team surgeon, the team doctor, (laughs) And he botches the surgery and you have issues down the road for years and years and years to come. Yeah. Okay. I think a six-year insurance policy is more than fair. And I know that this is like very rare that this happens. But, but it happened at BYU. In the case that it happens, <laughs> yes. In the case that it does happen, yeah. and I'm not going to say a specific right. school, but if there is a school where it happens where someone has a botched surgery, I feel like the university should take care of them. Right. Otherwise, you're just going to end up with a gigantic lawsuit and you're going to be paying out even more. True. I agree. I mean, I don't disagree. But like, okay, this is this ask I think is kind of tougher for the athletes. I mm-hmm. don't think it's unreasonable for them to ask for it. But I do think it's 
that is very expensive. Like obviously healthcare is an expensive thing, mm-hmm. right? And you don't want to have to like start limiting athletes on what they can get healthcare wise after school or after they graduate from school. Um, because, you know, undoubtedly someone will use it to fix, I don't know, like, a a deviated septum, you know, or something right. like that. Like not, not like a CTE related. Right. Injury. So I guess what you could do is you could put some sort of restrictions on it where it has to be like related to your football career. Like you have to have like written proof that like, this is something that like happened that re- is resulting from your athletics career. Yeah. Or I don't know. I mean, like you said, that is part of the thing that's tough. Or, like, if you have, like, a private insurance policy, like, you opt out of it. So then, you know, it, like, if someone's playing it in the NFL, right? you know, like, should Zach Moss get that same benefit even if he's, like, playing in the NFL? Like, I think this should just benefit those who don't go on to, like, play at the next level or you can opt out of it or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely tricky and, I like, there's no quick solution. But, yeah, right. there's... There's pros and cons to all these asks, and I think it's worth considering it. And even if you're just an, a casual sports fan or you just watch occasionally, it's good to think about these things because it gives you a new perspective on what these kids are dealing with. Yeah. Well, and I think that we're moving towards – like I feel like coronavirus um, is moving towards um, – it's a vehicle of change in a lot of industries – Oh, absolutely. And so I feel like this is like the first step. I think we're going to see a college athlete um, union mm, soon probably. that's nationwide, and we're going to see them unionize, and I think this is like the first step towards like a players union. And I know like obviously like Northwestern tried to set up like a players union right. a few years ago, but like this is the first momentum that we've seen between like made like several schools that are unified they've unified yeah yeah um, and like they sure up just said we won't play the season like we're willing to sit out and exactly. this it's a walkout right? yeah yeah and i think you're right i think this is the first it's it's imperfect i don't know what kind of real power they have to okay right so when when there's a walkout you're basically holding the sport for ransom mm-hmm. right um, and I think it's good for the athletes to like exercise this, um, right to, Hey, we want to take care of ourselves. I'm going to stop, you know, potentially hurting myself until these demands are met. I think that's healthy and what, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the NCAA could just cancel the season. Right. Right. And they'll lose a lot of money. But they'll also save a lot of headache, especially if they're starting to deal with like a player's union in right. college. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we'll see what happens. But personally, I don't think I don't think anything's going to happen out of this. Yeah, we'll see. I yeah. think that I think that some of the demands will be met. I hope so. Because, I hope so, too. Because a lot of them are very reasonable. Yeah, I agree. For sure. um, well, you know, if I were a parent to one of these players mm-hmm. that were demanding, I'd offer them some dad advice. <laughs> yeah, let's get it. So now I think that it's time for Hema and I to seek some dad advice. Um, Hema. Zach. My dad advice this week, um, I'm having some trouble with a uh, little haze. Okay. 
Um, I've been too lenient on him for where he can eat in our house. Oh, no. And it's causing some issues. Okay. So during quarantine, um, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago, uh, I finished our basement. And so when we finished our basement, we moved our old couch downstairs and we bought a new couch. Our new couch came with a very expensive price tag. My wife has expensive taste. <laughs> okay. Um, and so because we had like a rug down, we still have the rug down, but like we had a rug down and we had kind of an older couch. Like I was totally fine with like my son, like going and like eating on the couch and like kind of like yeah. spelling on it. Like it wasn't a huge deal. Well, now he's so used to it that when he is eating, he just automatically walks into our living room. Mm. And so normally wouldn't have a problem with it, but what I've, for some reason, he decided that it's cool to chew up your food and spit it out. Oh, no. Right on the middle of our couch. Okay. Our brand new couch. So like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen like Z bars. They sell them at Costco. Oh, yeah. They're like little like fig flavored. Or but they're like, like fig in them. Yeah. Yeah. They're like granola bars for kids. Yeah. That's one of his favorite things. And that was like the first thing that he did Whoa. is he chewed that up, spit it out. And then I was like cleaning up in the kitchen and I could just hear him being quiet. And so I was like, oh no, like yeah. something's going on. And I go and look and he's just rubbing it all over. Oh no. What color is your couch? It's dark. Still. So luckily it cleaned up like pretty easily, but still. Yeah. It's just the fact that like he's like chewing stuff out and like spitting it out. It's disgusting. And yeah. he thinks it's hilarious and like he throws it. He'll throw it at me. That's a problem. Yeah. So the other thing that he does it with are uh, graham crackers. Okay. Graham crackers suck because they crumble. Yeah. Into, but they like, it's like a fine dust. Right. And so I'm like, I can like feel like graham cracker dust, like on the floor, like all the time. And he loves graham crackers. Hmm. Like he can like say the names of like four or five foods. He can say bananas, cookies. Um, he can say, uh, bread, cheese, and crackers. And every day he wakes up, cracker, 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 cracker. <laughs> he's like a parrot. Yeah. He's like a parrot and he just wants a cracker. Yeah. Hazy wants a cracker <laughs> and he will freak out if he like does not get his crackers. Mm. And so again, he goes and chews them, goes and eats them in the living room, chews yep. them up and then spits them out. <sighs> So it's just disgusting. So uh, you don't know what to do. No, I don't know what to do. I'll tell you what, dude. It it doesn't get better. It gets worse. I know. Right? Like it, it starts like, with cereal and crackers and then it turns into like toast. Right. And I'm worried it's going to get to the point where he's like knows that he's not supposed to do it. So he's like stuffing it in between like couch cushions mm. and stuff like that. Yeah. That is a problem too. I remember there was a good stretch of time where – um my kids would like eat where they weren't supposed to and just hide the evidence. And yeah, like I remember I was cleaning up or maybe I was looking for something in my, in my son's room and I go under his bed and it's just full of like soda cans and like wrappers <laughs> just like, yeah. Dude, do you want to hear something funny that's related to that? Um, so my wife's sister, when my wife and I got married, um, she, so she had been, Living um, away from home with, like, roommates while she was in college. And then yeah. when we got engaged, she moved back home just to, like, kind of save money. 
um, while we were getting ready to uh, get married. We had a long Utah engagement. It was five months. <laughs> Very long for Utah. Yeesh. Um, but anyway, Scary. once my wife moved out, we um, once we were married, her youngest sister moved from upstairs down to the basement. And so we were over at her parents' house helping them clean up and... Um, we were getting just kind of cleaning up like some final things out of my wife's old room. Mm -hmm. And so we start helping her youngest sister start moving stuff out of her, um, (laughs) out of her room and they move the bed out and oh my gosh, it looked like a homeless person's (laughs) like (laughs) camp. There were dude, there were like, like family sized bags of Doritos that were like half eaten and there were just like dust underneath. And there were like, I kid you not dirty sleeping bags. Oh, not dirty sleeping bags, dude. Half eaten sausage links. Half. Yeah. She couldn't finish a sausage. Like She would like take a bite of a sausage link and then she would just drop it. And so what in the world? It's funny. Like my wife and her family, they kind of have this really bad habit of eating in their bedrooms. Okay. Like they never like eat together as a family. Like they never eat together as a family. Like they'll eat dinner in their own rooms. They'll eat dinner in their own room. So like Like everyone would like go and like get dinner Mm -hmm. and they would just go and take it back to their room. And so there were like dirty dishes. There was like, oh man, like half eaten like pieces of pizza. Like, you know, just how did they not have like a trail of ants leading to the dude? I was wondering the exact same thing. And like, I just don't know how, like, it didn't smell that bad. Interesting. You know? And, yeah, there was just, like, boxes of cereal. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, this little (laughs) 11-year-old girl. Yeah. Like, maybe she was younger at the time. She was pretty young. Um, But, yeah, it was seriously, like, a homeless person, like, lived there. Yeah, that's crazy. It was so gross. Yeah. Like, at least, like, thank God my kids didn't – they know, like – they're Polynesian kids, so they'll eat all the food, right? right. It's just the wrappers, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're not gonna let, they're not gonna waste half a sausage link, right? You know, well, no one in their right mind would, right? Especially <laughs> like you know, if you found half-eaten bacon, that'd be a real. Oh crime. my gosh, I would be so upset. That'd be, I would be mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, I mean, I feel like I was gross, but like we weren't allowed to eat in like our rooms growing up. Like, I mean, like we would be punished. Mm. If we, like, didn't eat in the kitchen, like, yeah. we weren't allowed to, like, take plates downstairs and stuff to eat. Like, we could only eat in the kitchen or the dining room. That's interesting. And so, like, I just never, like, ate anywhere else. So, like, the dynamic. I had fear in me. <laughs> the dynamic with, like, me growing up was we didn't eat in our rooms, but, like, we didn't spend much time in our rooms. Like, the whole concept of, like, kids locking themselves in their rooms and being there all day, that's so weird to me. Like, yeah. I, I only went to my room to like get clothes and to sleep yeah. and I was always out. I mean, I usually was out until I like got into high school and then most of like my downtime. I mean, I spent a lot of time like hanging out with my friends and like playing sports, but like yeah. my downtime was mostly spent in my room, like mm-hmm. playing video games and stuff like that. But other than that, like, yeah, nothing yeah. too crazy. So anyways, that's, that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. 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 Anyways, any other adventures? I, your son is in a great time of life, right? I mean, all of life is great. Whatever. Yeah. No, he's like learning so much and exploring and like oh, now he's sure. like now that he's mobile and he like knows how to communicate and knows how to like figure out how to reach things. 
what else is he up to? Oh my gosh. Well, now you got like me reminded me of like all this stuff that like I actually have to like be attentive. Mm. Um, not that I'm usually not, but like I have right. to be like extra attentive. So like he can basically get into everything except for he can't open doors. Right. But he can open like drawers. He can mm-hmm. um, Does he climb, climb up, up stuff. Okay. Yep. So like he doesn't like he can climb up onto we have like these little bar stools he can climb up on the bar stools and get onto the counter from there okay now he knows he's not supposed to get on the counter or the mm-hmm. table but like he it's gets fun. onto the bar stools all the time so he can pull stuff off of the counter or table oh um he also gets into we've had a huge problem with him he likes to hide in our master bathroom um we have like a master closet like in the back of the bathroom and so he likes to hide in there yeah um, when he knows like he's in trouble or just like to play hide and seek. He thinks it's funny because I'll come right in. I'm looking for this little baby. Yeah. You know? And so he thinks it's hilarious. But he'll go into my room and my wife found him getting like my razors and like electric shavers oh, and stuff no. like that. And so we had to like hide all those and like put them up high in a closet so he can't get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for the most part, he's pretty good about that stuff. But like there's just like a few things that like he really likes to try and get to and get into. Um, one of them oddly is like not like big metal utensils, but he likes, um, we have these little like food picks for him that have animals on them. Food picks. Yeah. So it, it's like a pick that's like rewashable. It's like a plastic thing that he can just stab. To, oh, like, feed himself like, a, okay. So you use like a fork basically. Yeah. So it's just like, small. it just holds between like his, his thumb and his forefinger. Okay. And he uses it to like stab it into food to like, interesting eat. because he thinks that it's funnier to use that than just like a normal fork because it has animals on it. Okay. And so like, it's a toy to him. Right. And so it, I've noticed, we've noticed like he eats more usually like when he uses that mm. opposed to like a fork. Smart. Okay. And so it's just a fact of like keeping him fed. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, like he'll get into those and they're tiny. Like they're like the size of like half of an adult thumb okay. and he'll get into them and just throw them everywhere. Oh no. And so it just ends up being a huge mess. So we've like had to like move those and like if you leave the pantry open, yeah, like he pulls down food, he goes and gets his graham crackers or chips and stuff like that and like dumps them out like last week he dumped out like a whole box of like honey nut cheerios Mm -hmm. and everywhere yeah it was awesome um he has a weird obsession with toilets oh i think that's a kid thing yeah it's their level it's full of water yeah like you can make some noise yet yeah but like if i am in the bathroom and he can hear me in the bathroom he like comes and like pounds on the door Oh, yeah. And he wants to look and see, like, what's inside. Yeah. <laughs> before I flush it. <laughs> Just a giant dump. Yeah. It's usually urine. Yeah. But he still, like, wants to, like, look at it. And he always asks, what's that? Yeah. What's that? And I'm like, that is pee. It's right. gross. Don't touch yeah. it. <laughs> Don't ever touch what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's completely normal. And so enjoy that, especially when he decides he wants to try and flush stuff. That'll be fun too. Yeah. I'm nervous about that. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, dude. I remember. So my oldest is five now. Um, he's a little boy now and he's very self-sufficient and all that stuff. And so, um, all my dad experiences now with my, are with my daughter who's two. Um, 
I have two daughters, one's a baby, but the two year old, because my son already did all the things, like whenever she does them, we're like, eh, whatever. Right. But it's when she does something different that just really hits us. And I'm, I'm going to, this isn't really a dad vice thing, but I'll tell you, um, a story of like something she does. That's really funny. She, so I put her to bed every night, um, except when I'm working, you know, cause we work so late. Yeah. But, um, I usually like read her story or whatever. And then I say good night and I kiss her on the head and then, um, she says good night and then I leave. Well, this happened like a little while ago. I like said, okay, Hazel, good night. Gave her a kiss. And she looks at me and she speaks really well. Like all my kids speak really well. And she goes, good night, butt face. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what did you call me? And she goes, um, I said, you're a nice guy and smiled (laughs) (laughs) and like smooth. I actually told her I was like smooth Hazel and then closed her door and cut the power to her room. So she screamed all night. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's just funny when they do something out of the ordinary. Right. And you know, with Hendrix, my oldest, we like, he does so much stuff and he did everything. Um, it's not really news, but Hazel likes to throw out little nuggets of hilarity from time to time. But anyways, yeah, that was a pretty good dad vice session we had going. Yeah. Good little stories. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Like this age that I'm at with Hayes right now. Cause he just every week is something new <laughs> and it's going by fast. Like he's really, yeah, dude. Um, like you said, like it, it's a fun stage, but like there are, is some frustration there, you know? Oh, there's lots of, frustration. there's a lot yeah. of temper tantrums. There's a lot of times where he's like not napping or, you know, like you're trying to explain something to him and mm-hmm. like he'll headbutt you or smack you and stuff like that. So it's like trying to like teach them how to, well, here's one final piece of dad advice. Okay. Uh, we have a problem in our household where he likes to lift up my shirt and smack my belly. Okay. Um, now my belly's not as pronounced as it used to be before I lost all my weight, but he still thinks it's funny to do that. And he'll yeah. grab, if you have any excess anything, he'll grab it and squeeze it. Okay. It's become a problem because he goes up to other people and does this because he thinks it's hilarious. Maybe it's the extra piece of motivation that they need to get their lives in order. Yeah, I have had several people, apparently several people have commented to my wife that they don't appreciate him doing that. <laughs> uh, he has done it to his grandmother. He has done it to the neighbor kids. Okay. Um, and so we are trying to teach him not to do that, that he can't grab other people's stomach fat. Oh, good luck. Yeah. The whole personal space thing. Oh. I'm still struggling with my kids with so that. It's so out there and they just do not understand it. No. Yeah. So that's been one of the fun things is that he will... Because I let him do it because he thought it was hilarious and I mm-hmm. thought it was cute. Yeah, he grabs other people's stomach fat and pinches it. Yeah, well, if they don't appreciate it, maybe they should just <laughs> not just leave that extra taco alone. Yeah, no, <laughs> I kidding. agree. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's everything that I have. Maybe I should have saved that for next week, but we'll come back with more dad advice next week. We'll yeah. be back Thursday night. Um, we'll have a couple more jazz games mm-hmm. under our belts to talk about, but. Um, until then, thank you for listening to Sports Beat After Hours. 
I am Hemahe Mooley Jr. He is Zachary Hicken. Good night, everybody.